So what I want to introduce to you right now, uh, so I want to introduce you to um, James and Natalie, uh, Kevin and Tigus Taylor, uh, Quincy and Eva, and I think it's just you, right, Eva, because Godfrey is... He had to work. How did you react? How have you been feeling uh, when you first... Uh, Heard about these shootings, saw the video of George Floyd. Um, just, just tell us how that felt to you, what was going on with you. And just go ahead, speak up, whoever wants to jump in first. Yeah. I, I know for me, I, I felt angry and sad. You know, I felt, I felt angry and sad at the same time that... Um, that people that are put in positions to actually take care of us and, you know, protect us with, um, would bring harm without even thinking. So, um, because from what I saw, it seems as though um, the person who did that to Mr. George didn't, um, didn't, didn't he, he treated Mr. George like he was nobody, actually, you know, like, um, like Mr. George didn't have life, you know, so, um, and they're the one that's supposed to be protecting, so, you know, I don't know what Mr. George did, but, um, you know, I've, I've, I felt angry and sad, you know, because, um, his life was taken, you know, mm -hmm. by someone that seems as though they didn't even care about life, you know? So, and they're the one that's supposed to be protecting. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's, that's how I felt, you know, I felt angry and sad, you know, so... Okay. Well, uh, let, me, let me go to the Taylors next. Uh. Thanks for sharing, Sister Eva. Um, for me, um, yeah, I felt, um, I feel a consistent betrayal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've had, uh, as many of you guys know, I've had um, countless amount of people in my family, my personal friends, uh, people who I love and have done life with, uh, lives taken uh, by police officers, uh, by violence in our city. And um, for 30 plus years, it's just been a... Um, a never-ending cycle of um, of mistrust um, um, to to actually witness uh, the atrocity being videotaped and um, the manner in which um, people of color are 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 um, are treated mm -hmm. and um, it frightens me. Um, um, 
Yeah, I've had, I've had, um, yeah, I've had the police do horrific things to me as well. Uh, me and my brothers, um, and um, just just seeing that stuff recorded, it just takes us back to uh, the reality that a peace officer, uh, someone who just uh, want to protect and yeah. serve um, would uh, uh, perpetuate this, these horrors on, on innocent folk, um, defenseless folks, I yeah. would say. Um, like police officers have guns um, and, and they have power and, and yeah. they can wield it how they yeah. see fit. So seeing seeing that video, um, I could see myself uh, in Ahmad. I could see myself in George. I could see myself in a lot of the guys from my our communities. Um, and it just it just it just ripped op open a, a wound that I've been asking the Lord to heal in in my life and in my world and in our family. And it just keeps, it keeps ripping open every time an incident like this happens. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, um, I'm just tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to get into too many other details, but um, yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to, <clears throat> it's hard to trust people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, first, I, I did not watch the video. I didn't want to watch the video. Um, the only part I saw was uh, a, just a, an image, kind of feel like towards the end where um, George's eyes were just kind of like wide open and I kind of, it broke my heart as I saw a man realize what was going to happen is it dawned on him that this was this was it and it just was devastating to watch and i didn't react for a few days because i had so many emotions i didn't had so much i wanted to say but so much no way of articulating it or saying how i was feeling and, the, and I think the most significant feeling I was feeling, there was a lot there, but it was despair um, and hopelessness that this could ever change and frustration and exhaustion, like Kim was saying, and yet another hashtag, another movement, another riot and outrage at something that's happened but also feeling really hopeless at what could this change? Could this be different for our girls? Um, yeah, and so I just felt like it was too much for me to look at. So I, I didn't do the video. I've been trying that. Been trying. It's a balance of trying to be aware of what's happening while also feeling completely overwhelmed. Of everything that's happening and being stuck in between those two places where it's like I look at some and like I will I'll cry 
or I'll get so angry and I don't know what I will do with that anger. So instead I'll just completely do something different, kind of numb out um, in between those emotions. And I just think um, that's hard. That's really hard. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, James or Quincy or Natalie or Kari, um, you guys ain't got anything to share? Yeah, I think uh, for me, uh, that video really hit home for me personally, just because uh, I personally had family murdered in the hands of Caucasian officers. You know, of course, when you first see it, you react emotionally. But I think that um, you react in anger in your heart. And as a believer, you kind of have to die to your flesh, die to yourself, and just put on the mind and heart of Christ. And just kind of ask yourself, what, what does Jesus want you to do about that? Uh, I mean, I've been harassed by police. I've actually, I can resonate with Kevin just praying through God healing my heart towards how I feel uh, about different race with power and the whole power system and how we use it. Um, so I think for me, man, I you know, my heart is heavy. You know, this is nothing new. This this happens all the time. It's just that this incident was recorded, and we have social media to give social proof to the stories of people that have been wrongly murdered. Um, so, you know, it is hard. You know, um, it is hard. So. I just think that the biggest thing to do at this point is to make sure that we protest with peace yeah. and, and give a voice. Yeah. Because if we don't, then it'll never stop. You know, it'll never stop. I remember being pulled over on the south side, thrown on a car, thrown on my face uh, by a white officer and uh, raided my car, threw everything out, didn't put it back, was hitting me. I couldn't hit him back, handcuffed me, no reason, and laughed and thought it was funny. Knowing that I really didn't have a voice, knowing that I couldn't do anything, you know, I was powerless, he had a gun. He looking at me like, hey man, if you move again, I'm gonna shoot you. So, of course, you're gonna just sit there hoping that you don't die in this guy's hand. So, um, yeah, for me personally, I've actually had to work through that and actually moving to this area has helped me work through that by being around men of God that are white and that are in power. So, you know, that's kind of what, what my take is on that. Hmm. So, so Quincy, just, I just want to follow up on that. What? Does does something like this affect like the way you feel around like all white folks or just police officers? Honestly, Scott, me meeting you and Jason, 
really changed how I felt about having a bias and just seeing the love of God overflow through men of God has allowed me to see a big picture. So I don't think that it's not, definitely not everyone. It's just, uh, you know, if you ever look at somebody who mean you harm, you can, you can see it. And it's terrifying because you know that you're in a powerless situation. Um, and even in your story doesn't matter. You know, I think that's the scariest part. It's like your voice doesn't matter. And I think that uh, when you really think about it, it's like uh, you cannot, you can't feel like that towards everyone because that's, that's not, you know, that, that, would, that would be a fallacy. I, I think that uh, for me, man, doesn't, doesn't make, definitely not everybody, man. It, it's just, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, yeah, it's definitely not everybody to answer your question. I just think I want to get too emotional about this because, uh, kind of bringing me back um but you know yeah it's, it's not everybody Scott you know it's just uh because you know think about it man your your, your nature is, is is that you want to retaliate your nature is that you want to do something and uh you know that's in your nature and, and honestly like yeah 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 that, you know that's that's kind of that's kind of it because I'll start rambling, but yeah, that's that's kind of it, bro. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I think the asking that is because, like, I think something that's helped me understand is right uh, when you've been traumatized by somebody that looks like somebody, right? Sure. It walks that sneaks up on you in all kinds of different situations, right? Like, and it's not your fault, but it's just like, and I, I think, I think for white folks, we don't understand what it is to feel in danger because of the color of our skin. We, we have no idea about that. I mean, we, right. I mean, I just think of the one time we had that serial killer in Rogers Park and he was killing white people, right? And I walked around the neighborhood feeling a lot differently for two or three weeks, right? And I remember Kevin and I talking about it. And he's like, Scott, that's my every day, right? You know? And I think, I think sometimes like when I, I, I just asked that because I, what, I, what I'm hearing is like because of how this person abused their power in your life, that's a trauma that goes with you and that there's a work now that you have to do around white people because that happened to you right yeah 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 that's absolutely right that's just for real and like we just got to put there guys like it's it's not that's not nothing you know and do you notice like that's not my fault i didn't do that to quincy but we still have to work through that as as brothers, right? Um, we still have to be there for each other that way, right? Um, so I, I just want, that's why I was asking about that. Mr. Crockett, 
Um, well, I'll speak first. Um, I guess, it, I mean, it's hard for me on a whole different level because I can't relate, um, you know, to what Kevin and Tigus and Quincy have been sharing and Eva. Um, but I think it's heartbreaking for me because of growing up in the suburbs, I was so far removed from experiencing any, um, or seeing how black people are treated different or, you know, like they're born two steps behind where I was born, you know, um, just because of the system. And I was so ignorant and naive to that. And now moving into the city and seeing it firsthand and seeing how my husband and, um, and my neighbors and my friends are treated, it's heartbreaking. Um, and I think as a white person, not knowing what to do, not knowing how do I fit into this equation? Do I fit into this equation? Can I do anything? Um, do I have a role in this? Um, besides like my heartbreaking and, and praying about it, but I don't know, I, I feel at a loss a lot, you know, and um, not wanting to say the wrong thing to offend somebody who's lived through it, um, but wanting to speak up and just not knowing exactly what, you know, what to say. Right. But yeah, I've, I've felt just really heavy. Um, and seeing James go through things, being in the car with James or on the street with James when he's experienced it and thinking like, if I was with my dad or with my brother at this time, this would have never happened, you know, that, that he was treated that way because of the color of his skin. And thinking <coughs> my kids are gonna grow up experiencing some of that is terrifying. Um, and just on the phone with my mom this morning, my mom, you know, is in the suburbs and she just like, I love her dearly, but there's just no clue of, you know, what's, <laughs> what's going on and the seriousness and gravity and heartbreak of it all, you know, and um, there's like a quiet protest in her town. And I said, well, did you go, go to it? And she said, no, I just didn't desire. And I mean, it kind of broke my heart because I think she also feels helpless, but thinking like what it would mean for my family for the church family that a Christian brother and sister that maybe doesn't know, but that they're still standing up and fighting and saying like, I see you, I hear you on it. I'm cheering you on. Um, even in the suburbs, you know, like that would be powerful for me to see. So, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel emotional and I don't really have an answer, but th that's a little bit of what's going on in my head. I'm gonna say it like this, man. My fear is the division that this type of thing, the anger, the hatred, you know what I'm saying, towards other races, you know what I'm saying, because of the action of this one officer and um, how, you know what I'm saying, it may be taken out of context, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, how, how it may change the way we look at our uh, other people, you know what I'm saying, different classes, different cultures, you know what I mean, and just, uh, and not look at it for what it is. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a sin issue, you know, sin don't have no color, you know, uh, it affects every every race, every culture. Um, yeah. 
so I'm not I'm not trying to like take nothing from what had happened. Uh, I understand America's history, uh, but that's my worst fear because uh, this this sort of thing should uh, open up a conversation uh, cross races about how we experience uh, uh, America and these different injustices. You know, what I'm saying that afflict our society society through laws or or what, what, whatever. So like I. I, I see a th I see things from the same light, but from a different light. Now I I, I view all these things from the perspective I try to, from the perspective of how God would see things, you know. And in that way, you know what I'm saying? Like my heart goes out for the officer that actually did this. You know what I'm saying? Like what? Why? I mean, what did he go through, or what did he he experience? to get him at the point where he would do something like that. Right, right. What did I do and what did I experience to make me go out and kill and rob people and go to jail and inflict so much pain on other people's families? Right. You know, uh, literally, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause when I think about it, like I didn't rob no black owned stores. I robbed stores that was Caucasian ran or, uh, ran by uh, pe people from uh, Pakistan or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, they was my targeted victim, you know what I'm saying? So like, um, you could say, you could say black, white, yeah, you could, I mean, that's true, you know, but it's, it's demonstrated in, in, in a lot of different ways, you know what I'm saying? Uh, in, even in the black community, I was just telling that, you know what I'm saying, like, when, uh, when I was robbing people, uh, uh, yeah, most of the time white people probably would be my victim, you know, because they had the most, you know what I'm saying, probably most likely to have the money, you know what I mean? But uh, I didn't discriminate, like, you know, it, given the circumstance, you know, it, it'd be like, yeah, I rob a black person too, but you know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying like that, that discrimination, that racism and that, um, that stuff runs deep, man. Uh, it, it didn't just start, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, I never believed it it just start with black no. people. It's just been more recent, you know what I'm saying, in America. You know what I mean? If you read the Bible, you know what I'm saying, this kind of thing been going on uh, right. throughout creation. Right. And I, I, I read a lot of books on slavery and stuff like that, and uh, it was uh, this this uh this one thing that I, this book I was reading called Before the Mayflower <clears throat> and it was talking about, you know what I'm saying, like how and I don't know if it's true, but you know what I'm saying, it's it's really interesting, you know what I'm saying? But I do know that all at some point, you know what I'm saying, all people been in some form of slavery right. uh, creation. And uh it was saying it, it had these paintings on the wall that was drawn on the wall by black people where 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 it had like white people you know, taking care of their kids and uh, you know what I'm saying, like in slavery to the black the black uh the black uh owners, you know what I mean? So uh, and I just and, and, and again I just fear that you know what I'm saying, like we get caught up in the moment of time and we don't see things the way God see it from God's perspective. And in that, you know what I'm saying, we fight for everybody justice everybody equality, everybody, you know what I'm saying? 
and righteousness, you know what I'm saying, and love and mercy and peace, trying to understand, you know what I'm saying, what they're going through. And I and I really sometimes feel bad, but sometimes I don't, you know what I'm saying? But I don't feel the anger. I feel more compassion towards people that think that way. You know, I was locked up with this guy, man. Like he was every bit of a KKK, but he was black. He was black. He was saying the same thing. He had the same attitude. And the first picture came to my mind was a sheet. If you put a sheet over his face, if you put that sheet over his face, you'd have thought that he was a KKK member. The way he was talking, the dialogue, the speech, it was, it was exactly the same. And I thank God for that experience, man, because like when you, you know what I'm saying, if you put a sheet over everybody's head and you don't know what color they is and they do what they do, you know what I'm saying, you, don't, you ain't gonna see no color. You're gonna be like, man, that's wrong. And I think that's, that's the way we should be looking at this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, while, it's tar while it is targeted and we can see who is, it who is it targeting, you know what I'm saying? The point is the sin is wrong, it's injustice, and white, black, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Korean, whatever you are, you should be standing up, especially Christians. You should be standing up, you know what I'm saying, for whatever group of people that's getting mistreated, you know what I'm saying, outside of the way God said that we should be treating one another. And, and uh, that's my view. And again, I'm not undermining the severity and the seriousness of, uh, and the realities of what is happening. I'm not, you know what I'm saying, but I choose to try to look at things through God's eyes versus my own emotion and my own thinking and what I actually see before my eyes. And, and I think if you're seeing things through God's eyes, you're seeing things in the right way. That's the way I feel about it. So that's, that's all I have to say. All right. So we're, we're, we're gonna go to Daryl now. Uh, hey, hey. hey, man. Oh, yeah. Morning. Uh, I'm kind of like him in a similar way. Uh, not taking nothing from George Floyd. Uh, nobody deserved to be uh choked or killed or period, right? But two days before that, a 17 year old girl in the black and 18 year old black girl got killed. We ain't heard a sound. I think uh uh. We need to, to start, uh, if we want our lives to matter to other people, it should matter to us. I mean, we voted that 10 more black people got killed by our hands. Did nobody loot, did nobody do anything. Uh, and that's still not to take away from George Floyd, don't nobody need to die, but I think if the narrative don't change about us, uh, we don't start doing things within our neighborhood and changing things so our narrative can change, then our lives probably will be a little more valuable. And I'm not saying they're not valuable, so don't nobody take it that way, but I'm saying people can see certain differences in us, right? Like you say, like the guy said, if we walking like Christians and talking like Christians, you know, we may have a different perspective. But every week we got 13, 15 black men and women, ladies, 10 years old, five years old, grandmamas, 87 years old, sitting in the house getting shot. Ain't nobody looted, ain't nobody did no parade, ain't nobody did nothing. So uh, that's that's what kills me. They just, uh, I just got a text, uh, uh, Lord Lightfoot finna get sent to National Guards. 
when when all the white people went downtown and did all the blow up and the shooting, they went home in the car. All the black people went to jail because they couldn't get back because they closed all the bus systems down. I mean, we got to start realizing, I think, that uh, this institutional racial, uh, racism, uh, uh, I guess, uh, mass incarceration, a lot of things is way before uh, George Floyd. And we can't wait to react and change things and do things. And it, it surely ain't gonna change by polluting and tearing up and burning up places uh, in our neighborhoods and going to jail to make things worse, to make ourselves perceived or look like hoodlums like Trump say. So uh, I, I, I respect our George Floyd family, but I respect them families too. Them two girls got killed sitting in the car. Uh, 17 to 18 years old didn't even deserve to be killed. We ain't heard nothing. We probably ain't gonna hear nothing else until they lives matter, you know, and none of our lives gonna matter. So we didn't we didn't know all this was gonna happen this week. Um we just landed on this passage. And I think uh one thing that I'm struck by in this passage is that Jesus is deliberately telling this guy to commit an act of civil disobedience. Um, he, he could have said, just get up and walk. But as soon as he said, take up your mat and walk, he was commanding him to be civilly disobedient uh, to the power structure, an unjust power structure that was present in in the context of Jesus. And as we read through the Gospels, we'll see that happen again and again, this Sabbath thing, and, and it would take a, a really long teaching to kind of break it down. But, you know, if you look back where Sabbath was first introduced, uh, it was introduced when God gave the Israelites manna. And when God gave the Israelites manna, there were kind of, there were three rules. One was nobody's going to have too much and nobody's going to have not enough. Everybody's going to have what they need yeah. because, because it's, it's a gift. They understood it was a gift. And when you, when it's a gift given to everybody, nobody gets to own it. Nobody yeah. gets to have more than somebody else. Right. And then God said, and on the, you know, on the sixth day, I'll give you twice as much so that you have extra for the seventh day. And anybody who kept it, hoarded it, it's spoiled. Yeah. Right. And uh, I love what one rabbi says. These were commands on training wheels. You, you couldn't disobey them. Like no matter what you gathered, you had enough. What, and, uh, if you tried to keep it, it's spoiled. So you couldn't break these rules, right? But that's when Sabbath was instituted. It was instituted in a moment where God was saying, everybody is going to have enough because it's a gift from me. And, uh, you know, we're, we're marching through a curriculum right now, me and some of the guys that we we're basically calling it you know, Sabbath economics, grace economics, you know, 
And so it's interesting in this passage that Jesus comes to a paralyzed man, a man who feels powerless, who hasn't had people there to help him. Um, and not only does he heal him, but he says, you're going to be healed as a word to this unjust system that the Pharisees are the head of. It is a supernatural, uh, civil disobedient action. And, uh, and so I, I, I wanted to open it up now to the guys on the panel. What, what do you think God is saying? And maybe you don't know. Um, but, you know, John the Baptist, when he preached, he told people, if you have two coats, if you want to be right with God, you got to take one of those coats and give it away. He told the soldiers, hey, you've got power. You can't use it anymore to uh, exploit and extort people. Um, you, your job is to keep the peace, not to uh, push people around and bully people. Exactly. Um, he had a word of repentance for each person that came to him. And so um, we know from the scripture that God can do that for us. And so I just wanted to open up right now and, and we are going to go long guys. I just, if, if you've got plans, you can go, but this is part of it um, is, is kind of when we listen to each other, we got to take the time for it. We don't, okay usually do this but i think today we we kind of do this. so i i just want to open it up to the panel what do you think are deeds of repentance that we as believers um can be part of that would make a difference you know uh that would actually change things yeah. you know we don't we don't want to be just sitting by the pool using a strategy that's never worked for 38 years. You know, what, what do you feel like God is saying or has been saying that we need to do? And I just love to hear from people about that. Um, Scott? Yes. While, pa while Pastor Jonathan was, um, was um, preaching, I, I wrote something down, you know, from what I under, from what, I felt I understood from what he was saying. And um, what I wrote, and I said, um, we don't have to compete with others to get what we want. Jesus gives us all, that's everything we need. And I, you know, I wrote that we can talk to him, we can talk to God who gives us everything. And he doesn't have favoritism, you know, so, um, I think, first of all, the first thing that we need to do is um, go to the Lord and ask the Lord, you know, what we need to do in this situation so that he could guide us, you know, like, like David preached, I mean, David, you know, how he spoke to the Lord and said, should I do this or should I go after them, you know, and stuff like that. I feel like that's what we should do too. We should really seek the Lord and ask the Lord how to, how we as a church could 
get involved in you know this situation but i think the first thing we should do is pray okay. and um you know but i really love you know what pastor jonathan was saying about the fact that um from what i understand i see it that we don't have to compete with each other to get what we want and that god is the one that sees and he's the one that comes to our aid and um and he's the one that supply all of our needs so um i see this as all a competition into getting what we want and um for everybody you know it's like doing things to get what we want or to be in control you know and it's all about control and getting what we want so that's what i see you know so I feel like that's what the Lord is showing me that we don't have to compete because he's the one that gives everything. Hmm. It's not, it's not ours to control. I even looking at the riot that I saw out here yesterday, it made no sense. People blocking cars, jumping on it, grinding their bodies on the, on people's car and not letting them move. I, the truck that um, drove into the store on Oak Street and just start, people just started looting and taking things. You know, I mean, that's not the way we, we protest, you know, and um, it seems as though it was more for the people that were doing that was more for their gain, you know, so it's all a competition and all control and whatever it seems as though people can do to control a situation, you know, that's what they do. And helpless people, helpless people, they do what they feel like they need to do to, to avenge themselves, you know, not realizing if they knew the Lord that the Lord is the one that avenge. So that's how I see it. Okay. Kev, you got something for us? Uh, yeah. Um, for me, so I, 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 this conversation is one that I've had to deal with my entire life, right? And so I've had a lot of time to process a lot of it. What's, what's some of the realities that I don't, I don't think um, the church deals with in a depth that we need to deal with, right? Um, there's two separate tracks. So there's one track for the world, right? the world handles and operates in a different manner in which believers oper should operate, right? We take our cues from the scriptures, right? And so if you look at Second Chronicles 7.14, that's always the base from which I, I feel like reconciliation, any forward progress should build upon. It's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I think we, uh, as a church need to one identify what our wicked ways are uh, from our as a country as a church all those things right um, uh, if we don't really come to a consensus what the sin is that we need to address because everybody can always say it's a sin issue but what sin issue do we need to address do we need to lament from do we need to repent from uh, 
And I think um, uh, for me, uh, thinking back to how African-Americans were brought to this country, right? We were human trafficked here, right? Um, and I don't think the church even talks about that, right? We kind of brush it up, glaze over it, but that's a, a, a big bump to kind of glaze over, right? There's a, a conversation that needs to happen about um, slavery in America, um, right? Everybody else that came to America, came to America uh, willing, right? They were, you know, um, the U.S. dream, send us your, uh, your, your, your tired, your weary, your, your huddle masses, right? Send us them and they can come to America and find a place. Everyone else that came here came under those, under that assumption. African-Americans came um, um, as cargo, right? As came as, right? We were the economic engine. Uh, you think about uh, in America, how we became a superpower, right? The idea was that every 13 year old girl um, African-American was bred until she couldn't have any more children to produce and take care of all these huddled masses, all the tired that were coming. It was on the backs of slaves, right? Yeah. This country was built, right? And until we start addressing that issue, yeah. we won't really, really come to a conclusion, right? The conversation will continue to veer left and veer right. And I think a repentance for that understanding that the people that are here today, they didn't have a hand, a dog in that fight. There was ancestries back in the past, but there still has been a system that's been set up, right? That's been perpetuated and we've never dealt with those issues, right? And so I think um, as the church, we need to uh, have the more of these conversations, right? We need to pray and ask the Lord to guide us through this give us some, rec help us to reconcile, but also let's not avoid the conversation. Let's, let's actually make it plain so that we don't go backwards, right? So that because uh, believers, like Brother James said, yeah, it's a sin issue, right? This is a real sin issue. And we have to really call out what the sins are for us to move forward, right? For us to feel comfortable, to feel safe. Because Scott, when you ask the question, right? when uh, when a white person has done this, 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 and this to you, and you feel uh, you feel uh, hopeless, you feel powerless. Does how does that does that Im impact you with other white people? Yes, it does. Right, the truth of the matter, it does. Right, and a lot of people because they want to get not Quincy or anybody, but this is how we've been conditioned to say, no, it's okay, it's not okay. Right, I have to walk down the street. Um, and, and be thinking if I about to engage a white person or whatever, how are they going to feel because I, I, I got dark skin and I got, you know, I got a look that's been demonized by media, right? Although I would probably be the person if something was to happen to a woman or somebody snatch your purse, I would be the person intentionally jumping in to defend, right? And so I think um, needs of repentance, one is Right, we must go to the Lord and ask God to forgive us. We must lament, right? We must be truthful in what actions happen, how they're perpetuated today, and how they're still in place, right? And as brothers and sisters in Christ, I do agree that we stand up for one another, right? We stand, like when you see uh, 
when you see uh, George, right, uh, and he's he's got an officer on his neck, right? He's got a knee on his neck, just kind of kneeling there, um, and hands in his pocket, and just nonchalantly killing a person, right? From a person who's been through these atrocious acts by the hands of officers, right? You realize they've done this before. There's a sickness there. There's a there's a mental illness there, right? The sin is creating, and I think we need to call those things out uh, as a church. We need to mobilize and and be a voice. I think um, whites, Hispanics, uh, I mean Asian, everybody. Of when your brother or sister is struggling, it's your responsibility as a believer to to stand up, to be the voice for those who don't have a voice. Just the same as if I saw a woman um, uh, purse being snatched or somebody being, some, I, it was, it's, as a believer, it's, I've been taught that through the Holy Spirit and through community, that that's a responsibility. And I think we as believers need to lead the charge on teaching in our community as well when uh, our brothers is there's the black on black one where there's a black person a black person arming or hurting another black person yeah. or the crime right it should be our responsibility to do that but it's not going to happen until we have leaders who, led by the holy spirit who teach that this is what your responsibility is it's to right. take responsibility in our community and love one another through actions right and so that that's i think deeds of repentance um, comes alongside of that. When we all on the same page, we'll start to see things change. Amen. Amen. Quincy, James, anybody else? Uh, Daryl, thoughts on what a deed of repentance would look like? What? Because I mean, you know, we don't, we don't, in, in, informed by kind of what God's been teaching you too, right? Because we don't want to just be like, I'll run in 20 different directions you know and nothing gets done right like when jesus wants to get something done he gets it done right like like this was an effective way to confront the pharisees right <laughs> like what you gonna do i was healed right like that is an effective strategy right that's what we're looking for guys is something so like what what has god been saying and if you know I'd love to hear from Quincy, James, uh, Daryl, if you got something. I think, um, yeah. I think for me, um, I think for me, it's, it's all about the sin condition and the love condition. And if you really think about why Jesus came, he came because we had a sin problem and he brought love that covers sin. So when I think about, when I think about what's going on right now, you know, it would be foolish of me to be so biased that I say, Oh, you know, all, all white people are this way. Um, it, it, you know, you can't make those blanket statements uh, because everyone is not that way. But yeah. I think that understanding and showing 
our condition as a as a as a human race and showing them Christ as the love solution as the as the condition for love he's he, he's the bridge for us even if we've been conditioned to hate and what we have to understand too is like because I, I wrestled with that for a long time too it's like why did this happen you know not even just this situation but my family it's like why did these things have to happen but what I realized was that there's a sin condition and these people have been conditioned to do this particular sin and it's kind of like if you're in the neighborhood and you see your dad selling drugs, nine times out of 10, you're gonna grow up and you're gonna think it's okay to sell drugs. You've been conditioned to do that. So I think that the, the best way to prevent from this and move forward is to completely expose this sin condition. Like this is a problem. And I think that this protest, I don't agree with the, with the, with the whole looting and, and all of that, but I do agree with people standing up and saying this is wrong because it exposes the sin condition, the condition of the heart. And um, being able as a church and as a people to bring the solution, which is found in Christ to this problem, that's the only way that our world will heal. You know, as believers, we read the Bible and so often we read, it, we read the scriptures and we don't really think that this is, like not everyone, but some people think, oh, that was just in that time. You know, oh, you know, God was restoring in that time. You know, it's like, no, if we actually humble ourselves and repent, he will heal the land. There will be restoration. And I think that our posture towards these type of events, it pretty much lets us know that Jesus is on his way back. Um, prophecy is fulfilling, but right. more than ever, the world needs to know who he is. Right. And um, it's like, you can't save the world, but you can do your part in people seeing Jesus. So yeah. for me, I, I feel like, you know, I really like what Kevin said, uh, is like really repenting. And I think that from this, like this is like, pretty much went out of control. I think that people like just, just took it overboard with, with breaking in, you know, jewelry stores and just doing all this extra stuff. But essentially the heart behind it was right. It just ended up wrong, you know? Um, kind of like what you said, it's like too much and then it spoils, you know, too little, it's, and you, you, you know, you, you still satisfied, like you still good. Um, so I, I just think that as a church and what we can do is to pretty much identify that we have a sin condition as a humanity and we've been conditioned to sin, you know, and however that looks, that's just what that looks. This just happens to be something that has been recorded, something that's been broadcast, but we all have this same sin condition. I mean, have a sin condition. It just may not be that, that, that actual sin. Right. And being able to understand that Jesus is the remedy for the church. We're not supposed to hate them. Uh, for people who do us wrong, we're supposed to love them and show them that victory and is found in Christ. You don't have to do this, you know? And I, I just think that, you know, I like what James was saying too, um, because, you know, 
you know, that's a good answer, you know, is to, is to look at it from God's angle. And as believers, we're called to put on the mind of Christ. So we have to look at it that way. But I think that God secretly deals with us too. And, you know, only God really know your heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 I, I think that, the, the, like, yeah, you want to be, and that's why we strive to be more and more like Christ. It's because of that simple reason. It's because we can't do it without him. You know, if we, if we go on our own understanding, then we'll be out there uh, fighting with police too, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just think that all in all, the uh, solution is to first show people their condition, you know, the sin condition, and then give them the remedy of, through Christ by yeah. praying for them, identifying protesting. I think that's healthy, showing them, hey, we take a stand against this. We don't support this. You know, because you can't be silent. Right. I think that's the wrong thing to do. Um, can't be silent. Like that's that's like the only and it's crazy because people's lives get thrown away when they're silenced. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's this rapper named Meek Mill. He said something that was so profound. He said, "If I wouldn't have been famous and I wouldn't have had money and people wouldn't have known about what I was going through with the police, they would have threw me away." And people vouch for him. And he ended up getting released from whatever he was going through in the, in the prison. So my thing is, you know, we have to stand up, but we have to stand up with, with, with wisdom, you know, and we have to put on the mind of Christ in the process to show them that love is available through Christ. And Amen. like Jesus said, you would know them by the way they love. So I think that that's something that the church has to do is to pretty much repent for them, pray for them. and love on them and show them hey this is wrong but jesus has a resolve for you yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that amen well i'm gonna go to bernice and then guys i think i'm gonna wrap it up um just because we're almost 45 minutes past time um uh but bernice you wanted to chime in also some folks have been throwing stuff on up on the chat that I think is helpful to the conversation. Check that out. Um, but Bernice, please share. Um, so I'll make it short. I think the love of Christ um, is in the church, but I want to go with a different perspective. As a single African-American mother with three sons, um, one is 36, one that's 25 and one is 21. The 36 year old is in Minnesota. The 25 and 21 is here in Chicago. So as a woman of Christ, a single mother uh, that's always been in the church, we talk about the love of God and the, 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 the someone said use wisdom. Um, I can only talk from my perspective only. And that is, I I believe the men of the church, the body of Christ, if they truly um, took the, for example, my sister, and they love the Lord, which means that that wisdom and that love will pour down on my family. And that could be part of my solution with what is happening out today with the looting and the, the rioting. Because as a single mother with African-American uh, sons, I am always nervous. I'm always scared. 
not for just the police, but for the other African-Americans that is not seeking the Lord for their uh, selves and the body of Christ and how they are to be there for the young youth and the, and the, um, the young man of today. It's been a struggle to keep my sons out of prison, out of, uh, off of the corners, off of the drugs. It's been a struggle. And I can honestly say with uh, the grace of God, through prayer, through finding the solutions that someone spoke about, uh, praying for them and not being silent, uh, they're all okay. Hmm. Never been in prison and no, no drugs, but my fight has been the men of, the men of God. My fight has been the African American community. My fight has been our community of, um, of the church that see me as African-American, they automatically look at me as a woman um, of just total disregard and no respect. And I'm totally transparent as I say this, I'm almost 60 and I have been through every ringer possible, through drug through the mud by the community, by the church and by uh, other African-American men who really do need to go down on their knees. That should be a prayer for all of us because the, the men is the head. Um, and if African-American men really sought the Lord, they could pull those men, they could pull these young men in. They could pull them in. They could pray them in. So if the cousin matter, if they really got with the African-American men, and heard them, not just listen, but heard them, and pray those African-American in towards these young men, I wouldn't have to stand here alone. And I am honest, I have been alone. I want to mm. cry right now, I have been alone. Mm. I have been alone. Mm. Mm. But with prayer, um, I have given up my life, no traveling, no visiting, not even letting my son go. And, um, and I'm gonna laugh because I can't remember his name, but he spoke out on a red shirt. I know at one point he thought I was crazy because they, was, they had a, a group. And I was very aggressive in, in not letting my sons go nowhere. And it wasn't personal, but I just knew that um, my, my background has a lot to do with how I protect them. And he was very patient with me. And he said, mom, I'm not trying to do anything negative with your son. And I didn't allow it because I had been so, so betrayed and so uh, just hurt by the community. So we need to pray for the love of God, for wisdom, for praying for one another and not be silent. I wrote notes while the men were talking because in order for them to get that experience, they had to be children in school that was being misused, labeled because they were just males, young boys who just had a lot of energy mad because they were already labeled. And I, I have experienced watching it. So I speak, they spoke volume today because I'm living it every day, trying to protect my sons. And that's my truth. Uh, thank you, Bernice. I, I look forward to getting to know you a lot better, you know.
Um, man, guys, I feel like we could and um, need to uh, spend more time talking about this. And I, I think maybe that's something that us leaders um, can put together. I mean, maybe we even need to do a retreat or something, right? Because we, we have got to be the church in this generation, right? And Jesus went after what was wrong in his generation, right? We can't read the gospels. He, he was going after what was wrong in his context. And, and we've got to go after what is wrong in ours. But I just, something I just know is look at the wealth of wisdom that showed up to church today. Look at it, you know? And uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of strategies to go after this. And I think we need to, with prayer and fasting, uh, seek seek what God would have us do, where he would have us push. Um, but guys, I feel like showing up to church every Sunday with this group of people is, is a definite way that is going to change things, yeah. right? Because look at who's in the room today, right? And, 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 and a, lot of, a lot of churches today don't look like, like this gallery view looks right now. And a lot of churches don't have near the wisdom that was in the room today. You know, the life experience, the deep understanding, the deep hurt and knowing what's for real. That's, that's in this room, right? And I think we, we need to pray as a congregation, how are we gonna steward that? What are we gonna do with that? You know, uh, what, what do we have to say? What do we have to do um, to steward the wisdom God's put in our midst, you know? And to that end, um, we're gonna turn it quickly over to Jonathan. If you got your bread and your juice, uh, your coffee and a piece of cake, a cracker, whatever, um, we're, we're gonna um, remember the Lord's Supper where once again, he broke the bread after giving thanks and distributed it, distributed it freely to his disciples, saying, this is my body, this is my blood, it's a new covenant, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift, are you going to share now? as you've been freely given, will you freely give? Um, so Jonathan, I'll turn it over to you. Amen. Um, for starters, I uh, just want us to take a moment. Um, and it's, I think it's important that as we go into a time of communion that we, we reflect and um, with everything that has been going on and where we're at, I think uh, a big one is just as I was talking about that we, when we take responsibility, we can then take in uh, Christ's forgiveness and in his blood covering that. Um, 
And so I, I think there is a just having a time that we take inventory and that we say, you know what, this happened on our watch. Um, this continues to happen on, on our watch in our city, in our neighborhood. Um, and that we take an ownership um, and, and that we take an ownership of any hate in our own hearts um, and that we can be the body of Christ, you know, as Christ steps in with his, his love. And that that's what we're symbolizing here. We take the body and the blood and we're doing it together, that together we are the body of Christ and that we might walk as his hands and feet. Um, and I'm really excited just being a part of a group of people that takes that seriously. You know, I just look at some of the stuff that I think what Kevin and James are doing with your Chicago and C24. Um, man, that's, that's what we're talking about. Sometimes we talk like, what is the church doing? What, you know, and I, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's how do we all do a little more of that? 